none of them. Recruiting suckers, macking, mic and making men of them. Tears and fears for my peers, they ripping. You think that it is, it is, if not, it isn't. Race for the border, my daughter could be so banging out. Cheeks rocking, these in her streets, and it's time for hanging out. Gather or rather for my circle around our lives. Just cause brothers or others could never ever rock a crowd. Is it because he's running off with the mouth? Or was he really clearly trying to play a nigga out? No, shut him down. The king with the crown. Cause all you wanna be is sticky down. A friend of mine asked me to say some MC rhyme, so I said this rhyme I'm about to say. The rhyme was mecca and then it went this way. Recollect a mecca, mic check on a windmill skill, Mac is cats wearing Godfather hats. It's okay to parlay the forte better. Tell her my nigga need a sweater tougher than leather. Swing another Bobby King thing and I wreck. But just like the white one, I get no respect. Money stay awake, cause the other niggas are fake. From Hollis to the beacon, know your dumb ass is leaking. CL and one DMC, so rush it. Big time wave before hammer got to touch it. Remember the faces in all types of places. Look, my no shoelaces. And I'm.
everybody doing in YouTube land? Uh, let me go ahead. Uh, I had to get put myself in the chat room on YouTube. Hello, everybody. Happy Thursday. Today's date is Thursday, May the 17th. 2018, and I hope you guys are doing well. I'm doing good today. Uh, sorry, I didn't do a show last week. Um, I didn't do a show last week. Uh, no particular reason. Uh, I was tired. <laughs> uh, no, a girl I worked with, she was on vacation. So, you know, I was uh, doing her work while she was on vacation, uh, plus doing mine. So, you know, I was a little tired. <laughs> When I got home, so when third last Thursday rolled around, I was like, "Oh, it's time to do a show." Uh, I declined. <laughs> so yeah, I'm sorry, God. I was tired, you know. Then I wasn't gonna do a show last Friday. I was like, eh, "I'm tired too." <laughs> so yeah, so I am back. What's up, Karen? How you doing? Karen's in the chat. So yeah, so that's the only reason why I wasn't on last week, man. I was freaking tired. But I hope you guys are doing well. I'm doing good. Um, what did I do that weekend I wasn't on? Um, what, what did I do? Yeah, nothing really that weekend, no. Oh, and I hope you guys had a good Mother's Day. And if you have a good mama on Mother's Day, I know some people are like, oh, you know, Mother's Day, um, it's, just a, it's just a holiday to get our money and all that kind of stuff Look. I don't care if you go in your backyard and pull some flowers, okay? You know, do something for your mom, you know, especially if she has sacrificed for you, you know, and all that good stuff. So, you know, come on now, quit being cheap. (laughs) So I hope you guys did something good for your mom. Uh, I went with my family to a a sushi restaurant. I have a sushi restaurant out here in Arcadia, California, if you guys are familiar with California. Um, it's called Kieran. I love that place. Oh, it's like a Japanese buffet, but it's kind of not like your typical buffet. You know, it ain't like you have a whole bunch of kids running around. <laughs> you know, I don't mean to say that, but, you know, this is a buffet where, you know, they have beautiful chandeliers and beautiful seating. You know what I mean? Really nice. So I did that. And uh, for Mother's Day, I got me some Godiva chocolate, you guys. Yes, yes. And I got some perfume by Gucci. Um, It's called Bloom. Oh, I love the smell. Oh, and I just didn't get the perfume. I got the gift set. Yes. So I'm feeling Gucci and smelling Gucci. <laughs> yes, I had a really nice time on Mother's Day. Um, This weekend, um. This weekend is my uh, little nephew's birthday, and uh, yeah, so I need to hit him up with some Black Panther gear, you know, <laughs> Wakanda forever, so I'm going to hit him up with that, and uh, I don't know what else I'm going to do this weekend, so there you go. Oh, yes, honey, Gordiva, yes, Karen. <laughs> yeah, so I am doing great, uh, can't complain. Uh, oh, for you guys on Block Talk, let me give you the phone number to call in. That number is 347-996-5369. Press 1 on your keypad if you want to talk to me. 
and my chat room is open. Uh, you guys on YouTube, if you hear me going in and out, that is because I am not on a headset on YouTube. So, um, so I hope the sound quality is pretty good. So there you go. Oh, and if you guys uh, want to contact me or anything like that, hey, go to the Internet. Uh, type in the Lisa Effect, A-F-F-E-C-T, and I will pop up. I've done over 250 shows on blogtalkradio.com, so you can check out all my shows there. All my old shows are on iTunes as well. And uh, I am on YouTube. I've done a couple of videos on YouTube. So go ahead and check those out, too. So, yeah, just type me in, and I will pop up. That opening music you heard uh, was a song, Down with the King. What's up, Mr. T? No, you didn't miss anything at all. I was just telling people I wasn't on last week uh, because I was tired. (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, no emergency or anything like that. I was just tired. Yeah, so uh, the opening music uh, that I opened the show to on Blog Talk was the song Down with the King by none other than Run DMC. Uh, That particular single was released on March the 2nd, 1993, and it was off of Run DMC's sixth studio album, and that album was also entitled Down with the King. Oh, and the video. Have you guys ever seen the video to the song? Oh, let me tell you. Uh, First of all, Marcus Raboy, he's the one that directed the music video. Uh, In the video, there's tons of cameos. There are cameos by Eazy-E, Redman, Chris Cross, Jermaine Dupree, Onyx, Salt-N-Pepper, KRS-One, ECMD, A Tribe Called Quest, Kid Capri, Daz Effect, TM Dawn, and Naughty by Nature. God, yeah, if you guys haven't seen that video or you haven't seen it in years, go ahead and check out the video. I love the video and I love the song. And also the song is their second most successful song by Run DMC. The first uh, most successful song was... um, the song they did with Steven Tyler, Walk This Way. Remember that song? Yes. And this song, Down with the King, is their second um, uh, major hit that they had. Yes, that video. I love the video. Matter of fact, on my way uh, coming home, man, I was listening to that song over and over again. I love that song. Well, I grew up during the golden age of rap music. So I grew up listening to run DMC music, uh, which is why uh, I wanted to do the show tonight. I'm not going to go into any news that's going on. I understand. I perfectly understand we got a royal wedding coming up. <laughs> I understand that, you know. And, hey, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I will be, I'm going to watch it, you know. But, dang, I think coverage starts at, like, 5 in the morning, right? Yeah, but, you know. A couple of women at work are excited, you know. Me personally, I just want to see uh, uh, Meghan Markle's black mama, you know. <laughs> you know, I want to see her there in that church, you know, getting the royal treatment, you know. So I will probably wake up at 5 in the morning to see that. 
you know, so, yeah, I can't even lie. You know, I'll probably tune in to some of that. So, um, so I understand we got a lot of stuff going on in the world, but I'm not going to do any news tonight. Um, I uh, really want to discuss this. Um, uh, I really want to discuss this case. So no news or nothing else going on tonight, you know. And this, I don't know how long this show will be tonight. I don't know. It all depends on, um, uh, you know, how long you guys want to talk. Look, Mr. T. Oh, you were 14 years old when it came out 25 years ago. Oh, Karen was 16. Oh, well, I'm not going to tell you how old I was. <laughs> 30, no, just kidding. But, no, I ain't going to tell you how old I was when it came out. Let's just say I remember the song very, very well. Uh, before I get into uh, the topic for tonight, um, I just want to tell you just a little bit about um, – Oh, real quick, you guys. Uh, um, I've seen a couple of movies. Uh, you know, every once in a while I'll see a movie that I think you guys may want to check out. You may not. For some reason, last week I watched two James Bond films. Uh, one of them was Diamonds Are Forever. I'm like, damn, this came out way back in 1971. And this was Sean Connery's last film of him playing James Bond. Wasn't a bad move, uh, movie, you know what I mean? It kept my interest, you know. So yeah, so after that film, you know, Sean Connery's like, I'm done with playing James Bond, so he was done. And the next movie I seen, another James Bond movie, Live and Let Die. Did I just see that yesterday? Or did I see it Tuesday? I just seen it this week. That is one of my favorite James Bond films of all time. Uh, that movie came out in 1973, and that movie introduces a new James Bond, Roger Moore. And you know Roger Moore, he passed away last year. So, um, so yeah, so Live and Let Die, one of the reasons why I love this James Bond film so much is uh, because it is, like, based in New Orleans, you know, because it got that little ump, that little black ump to it, you know what I mean? And this was 1973, so during that period of time, a lot of black people were making black films. You know, they entitled those films black exploitation films. I hate that term, but that's just, you know, that's just the term that was given to a lot of black films that were released during the early 1970s. But with this James Bond film, uh, the bad guy is black. Um, all the bad guys in this James Bond movie is black. Oh, and the lead bad guy is, oh, guy I've always had a crush on. Oh, Yafet Koto. Don't laugh at me, you guys. I know you guys are like, who is that? Look him up. The minute you see him, you'll know his face. He's not an attractive man, I guess you would say, but his presence is, I love his voice. I just really like this guy. And he's still living. I think he's pushing 80 or something like that. But he played a good, bad guy. You know, very suave, you know, if you're familiar with him. You know what I'm talking about. Yes, yes, Karen. I got a little crush on him, honey. Yes, yes, yes. So I love the film. And Paul McCartney did the uh, James Bond um, song uh, after the Beatles broke up. You know, him and his wife had that group called Wings, and they did the title track to the movie Live and Let Die. It's a very unusual movie. You got to check it out. It's a little different than your average James Bond film, so you've got to check it out. 
Uh, is there some black stereotyping in this movie? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, there's one scene where it's some kind of like voodoo scene. And, of course, you know, the white woman is kidnapped and she's tied up. And all these crazy voodoo people, they're going to kill Mary. So, yeah, you do have a little bit of that element, you know. But it's an excellent uh, movie. Oh, and you know who's in it, too? Homegirl, the actress. Oh, God. You guys, oh, God. She played back in the 90s Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. God, I almost said her name. And right now she's known for uh, doing those jewelry commercials. Uh, Jan Seymour? Jane Seymour, that's her name. Yeah, she's in it. I think she was only 22 at the time. You know, but, yeah, she's in it too. Uh-huh. And what else? Look at look at Mr. T trying to act like he's young. That movie came out way before I was born. Oh, Karen, View to a Kill. Yeah, that's another. Now, you know the reason why I love? That's my second favorite James Bond film. Do you know why? Because at that particular time, well, even now, I'm a huge Duran Duran fan. Oh, my God. Man, let me tell you something. When I was growing up, I was listening to tons of rap music and tons of music that was coming out of England, you know. So one minute I was listening to Run DMC, the next minute I was listening to Duran Duran. Yes, Duran Duran did the title song, View to a Kill, for the James Bond film, View to a Kill. And that was a big deal back then because, I mean, right when uh, Duran Duran did the title soundtrack, I mean, they were on top of their game. So for a teenager, oh, man, we went insane. Another reason why I like View to a Kill, come on, y'all, take a guess. Who's in the movie View to a Kill? Y'all, come on now. Grace Jones, right? Isn't Grace Jones in the movie View to a Kill? Damn, I love me some Grace Jones. You guys don't understand. Grace Jones, don't, oh, please, don't take Grace Jones for granted. Grace Jones has never changed who she is. Man, I mean, she wore her blackness like a badge of honor. Damn, I love her, man. And to this day, ain't no other model has come on the scene like Grace Jones. Come on, there will only be one Grace Jones. Only one. It's like, wow. Yeah, Karen, I know. Yeah, Nile Rogers produced a lot of their hits. Yep. And he also uh, produced uh, the David Bowie album, Let's Dance. So, yeah, don't sleep on Nile Rogers either. Nile Rogers, wow, you guys know Nile Rogers. Well, I don't know, Karen and Mr. T, y'all kind of young there now. But y'all know uh, Nile Rogers from the uh, music group Sheep. Come on, you guys know. Freak out. Y'all know I can't sing this. You guys know that song. All that hungry. Got you down. Got your head spinning all around. Hey. And remember, um, I want your love. Hey. Come on, y'all. Hey, good times. Good times. Hey. These are good times. Yeah, you guys know Chic. Yeah, oh, you guys. I can. I'm a huge fan of music. I can talk about music for hours. You name the genre, I can talk about it forever. Y'all want to talk about Willie Nelson, Kenny Rogers, 
Oh, let's not even talk about Johnny Cash. Oh, I got me a, I should wear my Johnny Cash T-shirt tomorrow. I got me a Johnny Cash T-shirt. And you know what? I had went to a thrift store a few years ago, found me a Merle Haggard T-shirt. I'm like, Merle Haggard, what? Sure did, y'all. Y'all want to talk about country? We can go country if you want to. You you name the genre, honey. We can go. Yes, yes. What's up, sweetie? Hello, hello, hello. What is up, guys? Okay, you dated. I'm from the golden age of um, rap music. You know, and I feel proud about that because, I don't know, I feel proud knowing that, wow, I was there. You know what I mean? When the magic happened, I was there. I remember, you know, when Run DMC, they just became larger than life. It's amazing. I mean, let me tell you something. One of my favorite albums, rap albums of all time, I think I've told you guys this before, uh, Public Enemies album, Fear of a Black Planet. I know that album backwards and forwards, y'all. Know it just like that. Oh, and, of course, LL Cool J's debut album, Rock the Bells. The Beastie Boys, License to Ill. Oh, you talk about know all those songs backwards and forwards. Oh, and the 1986 album, Raising Hell by Run DMC. I know every freaking song on that album to this day. Some of those songs I haven't heard in almost 30 years. I guarantee you, if you play it, I'll know the lyrics just like that. That's how much I played that freaking. I think I had a cassette. (laughs) I had the cassette tape. I would rewind, forward, rewind, forward, over and over again. Oh, my God. I could not get enough of that album. Oh, Peter Piper. Oh, please don't even go. Oh, it's tricky. Oh, oh, God. Dumb girl. Oh, man. Come on, y'all. Look, I'm telling you, I know Mary, Mary, why you bugging? Oh, come on. I mean, I, my God. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, I know that. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm trying to see my favorite Run DMC song from that album, Raising Hell. Oh, God, I love his key. And what's the other one? Touchdown. Oh, you be illin'. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, man. I'm trying to think what's my all-time favorite Run DMC song. I don't know. I do love Down with the King, though. That's probably one of my favorite Run DMC uh, songs. Um, I do like the King of Rock. I do like that where they mesh the rap and the rock. I like that too. It's just I don't know. They were just so innovative, man. And they were innovative. Yeah. Oh, the Christmas one. Oh yes. It's Christmas in Hollis, Queens. What mom is cooking collard greens or something like that. Oh, how can I forget that song? Oh yeah. Who's house? Run's house. Oh, man. Yep. Mm-mm-mm. Yes, Christmas in the Hollis. That was it. Oh, my God. Yep. I mean, man, when I think of Run DMC, I think of really good memories. Because you guys know I'm all about nostalgia, you know, fond memories of my childhood, looking back on Run DMC and getting so excited to see them, you know. 
And um, what I didn't know about uh, Ron, I'll call him Rev and Ron, and Daryl, uh, they went to private school. You guys, I didn't know that. And uh, Jam Master Jay, he went to public school, you know, but they met up, you know, with each other and stuff like that. I think uh, they started becoming famous during the day while they were in college or after. I forgot, you guys, but. And you know what's so interesting about a group like Run DMC and a lot of these other groups? When you look back on them, you don't realize how young these guys were back in the day. It's like, um, you know, when I was growing up, I just thought, you know, Run DMC, I thought they were way older than me, you know, because they seemed so grown, right? But then it's like, wow, they're that age, (laughs) you know what I mean? It was the same thing with LL, you know, it's like, I don't know why, I thought he was way older than me, you know? So it's interesting when you look back, it's like, dang, these were kids, these were children almost, practically, right? It's like, wow, uh, 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 yeah. Oh, what do you say, Mr. T? I didn't know that DMC loved comic books. Yeah. So anyway, you guys, well, let's get to it. God, I hate to even do this episode, you know, but um, you know what? I'm going to, you know, go ahead and uh, do it. Uh, Before I start, one other movie uh, that I watched a few days ago, it's a pretty good one, uh, called Internal Affairs. Uh, This movie came out back in 1990. Um, It starred Richard Gere, Andy Garcia, and William Baldwin. Uh, this was William's uh, first feature film, you know, William Baldwin, you know, Alec Baldwin's one of his brothers and stuff like that. Excellent movie. Richard Gere plays an excellent crooked cop. Uh, and Andy Garcia is a district attorney, you know, trying to shut him down. So, yeah, check that out. But um, so let's talk about this. Uh, Marsha Clark has a show on A&E. I didn't even know she had a show on A&E. Last week, I was just flipping channels, and I was like, oh, Marsha Clark has a, a show? Okay, whatever, you know. And so she had profiled uh, on one of her episodes, the Billionaire Boys Club. And I remember uh, this was a big deal, I think, back in the late 1980s, I believe. You know, a group of young, rich guys, you know, defrauding people. Two people end up dead, you know, and all that kind of stuff. I remember uh, back in the day that case was a big deal. So anyway, Marsha Clark was, uh, you know, talking about it and discussing it. And it was a pretty good episode. Uh, Very, you know, so I was like, oh, okay. I'll have to check out her show a little more. So it was last week I checked her show out again. And it said Jam Master J. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. There is only one. Jam Master J. What is this episode talking about? Yes, lo and behold, uh, she did an episode about Jam Master J. And you'll have to check it out. Um, it aired about two weeks. And let me tell you guys something. I, um, oh, yeah, you talked the Billionaire's Boys Club. Yeah, it was. It turned out to be a TV movie. That's how popular that court case was. Yeah, and with uh, Jam Master J, you guys, I've watched tons of uh, true crime shows. You know, I watch all the cold case files, you name 
the case? I probably know it. I cannot tell you how many hundreds and hundreds of cases that I have listened to, either on podcasts, on TV, all of this. But this is the first time that I know of that a show has ever featured about the murder of Jam Master Jay. None of these shows. And let me tell you something. I watch them. I listen to the podcast. As far as I know, the time that someone has ever actually taken the time to try to unravel the unsolved murder of Jam Master Jay. So, hey, whether you like Marsha Clark or not, because you, you guys know Marsha Clark from the OJ trial. She was a prosecutor, you know, along with Christopher Darden. You know, whether you like her or not, I'm going to have to give her credit on this episode. And whoever produced, this episode, thank you very much, because whoever produced this freaking episode, they were thorough with it, okay? This was an episode that was kind of like pieced together. You understand what I mean? This episode was almost two hours long. And Marsha Clark, uh, you know, she was talking to Jam Master Jay's friends and family, and um, you could see she was interested in the case. You know what I mean? It wasn't one of these, like, oh, really? So what happened next? Was it, you know what I mean? She was all like, come on, give me the tea. What's up? What happened? You know, she seemed to be, I guess, whether she cares or not about the case, I have no idea. But it came across like she generally cared about the case, and she wants this case solved. So we're going to go ahead and talk about it. Uh, before we talk about it, let me go ahead and give you the phone number, uh, Blog Talk Radio. I'll give it to you again, area code 347-996-5369. Press 1 on your keypad if you want to talk to me, and my chat room is open. What's up, Shanti Ra? I see you. I see you. Good to see you. I see someone, area code 657. Thank you so much for listening. And two, um, I'm going to talk about it, and then I'm going to open up the phone lines in case you guys got anything to say. Oh, and before I begin, too, I'd like to also say, um, when I talk about this, keep in mind that I didn't write down what people said word for word. You know what I mean? Like, this ain't no transcript, (laughs) you know, or nothing like that. You know, I'm just talking verbatim. You know, this is just a brief synopsis of the case. You know, it's not like word by word and all that kind of. Pay attention and uh, let's get into it. Uh, let's go back to October the 30th, 2002. We're in Hollis, Queens, New York. There are five key figures involved. We have Jason Manzel, who we know as Jam Master Jay. And for this episode, I'm going to call him Jay. It looks like that's what he was called. Uh, so we have, uh, we have Jay. We have Lydia. Now, Lydia is Jay's receptionist, bookkeeper, and people in the neighborhood know her, you know. So it's a professional relationship, but at the same time, you know what I mean, she's probably like a relative, you know, so to speak. So you have Jay, you have Lydia, and you also have Randy Allen. Now, Randy Allen is Lydia's brother and a very good friend of Jay's. They grew up together. And you also have Mike B. Now, Mike B is kind of like an up-and-coming rapper. And you also have Tony Racone. 
And Tony Racone at the time was 25 years old, and uh, he's also a friend of Jay. So you have five people. Now, these five people are the key people to the case. This was October 30th, 2002. It's approximately 6 p.m., so it's not late at night or anything like that. Jay arrives at a studio in Hollis, Queens, New York, to work on some music for Rusty Waters. And Rusty Waters is one of the acts uh, that is signed to his label. And also keep in mind that at this particular time, uh, Jay was doing a little work uh, for Onyx, the rapper, and also 50 Cent. So, and also keep in mind, the studio isn't anything fancy. You know, it's kind of like a storefront. It's in a storefront type of a building. Uh, It's one of those buildings where people uh, rent out small office spaces. You know, like if you have a small business or something like that, you rent out a small suite, you know, in a building. And that's what this building is. It's a small building. It's two-story, but it's like a small building located on a, like a busy street. And the studio was upstairs. So in order for you to get to the studio, when you walk through the front door, there's like a buzzer, and you hit the buzzer, and someone, whoever's in the studio, they'll go ahead and look at the security camera, you know, to see if they know you or not. If they know you, they'll buzz you in and you go upstairs to the studio. And there's also other businesses, you know, in the small building as well. So, so Jay, he's waiting for things to get started, you know, because he's there to handle business, you know. He's waiting for things to get started. He sits on the couch uh, in the, like, studio lounge type area and he starts playing Madden with Tony. So here you have Jay and Tony, they're sitting on the couch you know, they're playing a video game and allegedly Jay pulls out a gun and puts it on the couch next to them. Now Lydia sees this and uh, Lydia's a little nervous, you know, and everything like that. And then shortly after this uh, Lydia's brother Randy he arrives at the studio, and he brings along Mike B. That's that up-and-coming rapper. So Randy and Mike, they go into another room to listen to demo tape. You know how it's like a small, you know how when you're going to record a, a song, you know, and everything like that, like the engineer area. You know, so they're sitting in there, you know, and they're going over some uh, demo tapes and everything like that. Okay, so it's about an hour and a half later, p.m., and according to Tony, his cell phone rings. And as he reaches down to answer it, he hears footsteps. And allegedly, two people dressed in dark clothes walk by Lydia's desk and tells her to get on the ground. She's terrified. She does exactly what they say. She gets on the ground, and they step over her to get into the studio. And according to Tony, the shooter opens fire, and he hits Tony. He shoots Tony in the leg. And the shooter turns around and hits Jay. And he shoots Jay right in the back of the head, right behind his ear, kind of almost like execution style. And after that, the killers flee the scene. Uh, people are not too sure if they ran back down the stairs or did they go out the back using the back fire escape. No one really knows for sure. 
and I believe it was raining that night as well. You know, it was pretty cold, too. It was in October. And Randy, Lydia's brother, allegedly runs to the police station, which isn't that far away. So he runs and lets them know, oh, my God, you know, there's been a shooting. There's been a shooting. So then the cops arrive. They secure the scene, and they remove Jay's body, and they briefly question all the people that were in the studio. And no one's really giving any answers. Okay, fine. So now we're, it's the next day. It's around 10 a.m. Now the witnesses are questioned even further. Now it's like, ah, why don't you come down to the police station now? We've got some questions for you. And um, police don't have any luck. So it's like, okay. So around 4 p.m., they start questioning friends and uh, family. And uh, the cops don't have any luck with that either. Uh, Derek Parker, uh, he's a former detective, and it was interesting because he headed a union a unit that was focused on rap-related crime. Now he feels, oh, this looks like it may be a may have been a hit. Uh, and Derek goes on to say he witnessed firsthand uh, how the rap game started changing. And he was talking about how it started becoming more violent because you had some rap artists, you know, after, you know, they had a little fame, they started bringing their homies along with them, you know, their homies from the hood, you know. So and then drugs and shooting started happening, and it started to become a problem. However, the police eh, kind of really wasn't looking into it until Biggie got killed. When Biggie got killed, that's when the police were like, mm. I think we better be taking these crimes very serious. He did go to Jay's funeral, uh, and basically Lydia wanted him to go because Lydia was terrified, you know, because she's like, I don't know what's going on. I'm scared. Please, you know, go to the funeral with me. So Derek did. And uh, another detective, um, now this detective interviewed the people that were in the studio. Uh, He said they really weren't giving up any information. Uh, but he did note Lydia seemed extremely terrified. And he also said the shooter had a clear view, so it wasn't like he made a mistake and killed Jay. You know, there was nothing in his way or anything like that. He had a clear shot, you know, when it came to Jay. And this particular detective, he thinks Randy and Mike, he's like, you know, maybe they didn't see anything because remember they were like kind of like in that little engineer booth, you know, going over demo tapes and stuff. And maybe they didn't at first hear the commotion that was going on outside. So, Hey, you know, that is a, that's a possibility. So who knows? And uh, the chief of detectives at the time, he said there were two 40 caliber casings found at the scene. And upon watching the show, 40 calibers, that's pretty big. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was uh, that was a, a big caliber gun. And reports claim that Jay had uh, exclaimed, like, oh, shit, you know, before he was shot. Uh, but this former chief of detectives feels that the perpetrators, he feels, eh, I don't think they just walked in and started shooting. Uh, the detective didn't go into details. He just said sometimes what's reported and what really happens uh, can be a little different. 
and he feels it could have been a dispute over some drugs, maybe some money, and he thinks Tony was shot in the leg, kind of like an afterthought. You know, like Tony, he wasn't the intended target or anything like that. He was just shot just as an afterthought. And one of Jay's friends uh, met with him the day before, and he said Jay's attitude was the same as always. You know, he said Jay was always had a big smile on his face, and the reason why they were meeting the day before was uh, they were going to discuss a community event because Jay was always about giving back to Hollis Queens, you know. So he was forever putting on different events for the community. So that's why they met uh, to discuss that. And the friend is saying he didn't seem scared, you know, like somebody was after him or anything like that. So, and But the friend said, well, you know, misunderstandings happen. Okay, what does that mean? And it's so interesting because throughout this whole episode, people kept saying stuff like that. Like, what does that mean, you know? Because first you have the chief of detectives saying, well, sometimes what's reported and what really happened are two different things. It's like, well, can you care to elaborate, you know? Now, this friend is talking about, Oh, uh, you know, misunderstandings happen. Well, what are you talking about? Oh, and guess who Marsha Clark interviewed? Ed Lover. You guys remember Ed Lover? Well, maybe you young people may not. Uh, MTV back in the day had a show called Yo MTV Rap. And that ran from 1988 to about, let me see, I think I want to say 1995, around that area. Uh, and, of course, Fab Five Freddy, uh, he was the original host of uh, Yo! MTV Rap. And then uh, came Ed Lover and his friend in real life, uh, Dr. Dre. Not Dr. Dre from NWA, but another Dr. Dre. You guys remember them, Ed Lover and Dr. Dre? Yeah, well, Ed Lover, you know, of course, him and Dr. Dre, they did, what, one or two movies together and everything like that. And Dr. Dre, unfortunately, uh, his friend, he's blind now. Uh, if you guys don't remember Dr. Dre and Ed Lover, uh, Dr. Dre, he was very heavy set. okay? To me, looking back, it looked like he probably weighed over 300 pounds. And, you know, sometimes as you get older, so he had type 2 diabetes, and now he is blind. You know, and I've seen him, you know, just what, I, on YouTube, I've seen a little footage of him from last year, you know. Uh, he doesn't look bad or anything like that, but he's still very heavy, and he's blind. And you hate to see that, you know what I mean? But, yeah. But anyway, uh, Marsha Clark, she interviewed Ed Lover, and uh, Ed, Ed Lover grew up with Jay. So a lot of famous people grew up with Jay. So Ed Lover, he's like, he has no clue what happened. He said maybe it was jealousy or envy because Jay owned a couple of homes, you know. Maybe, you know, he probably had some haters. And Ed Lover also said Jay talked to everybody. You know, people would say, hey, Jay's having a cookout, you know, and everybody would come over. So, And Ed Lover also said, too, he was always busy doing something for the community. And he never left Hollis, Queens. No matter how rich he got, he stayed right in Hollis, Queens. Queens, and then the thing, oh, my God, then the thing that got me, this is when I started getting teary-eyed watching the episode. Uh, Ed Lover, he was close to tears, 
and say, and he said, Jay loved Hollis Queen so much, he literally gave his life for Hollis Queen. It's like, wow. And Ed Buffer also stated he feels for the sake of Jay's family, you know, his mom and everybody, uh, someone needs to come forward, you know. Hell, they said even for the, he said even for the sake of Hollis Queens, you know, someone needs to come forward, you know, and tell us, you know, what's going on, you know. And another friend said uh, when he got the call that Jay was murdered, it was like getting the call that John Lennon was murdered, you know. For the rap community, you know, we all know Jam Master Jay was an icon, you know. And he thinks the witnesses are probably scared. The people that were in the studio that night, he feels they probably were scared. And he also said, here we go, something weird. He said he got a weird call from an unknown person that wanted to meet with him to discuss the murder. Now, Jay's friend declined to meet with the person. At first, I'm like, how come you didn't meet with this person? What's up? Well, Jay's friend told the person, you know what, I think you need to go through the proper channels, you know, maybe you need to notify the authorities or, you know, something like that. But Jay's friend was like the reason why he didn't meet this person was because um, at the time, you know, you know, Jay had just gotten murdered, you know, it was like, damn, the killer's still on the loose somewhere. We don't know what's going on. So, you know, he was a little scared. And not only that, no one in the neighborhood could vouch for this person. You know, it's not like, you know, people in the neighborhood, oh, yeah, I heard about that cat. Yeah, he's all right. You know, you can go meet with him. But you know what I mean. So he was like, "Uh uh-uh, you know, I'm not. It's like, no way. (laughs) He's like, I'm not meeting with him. So, yeah. Oh, and another name passed up, uh, came up from my teenage years. DJ Hurricane. Do you guys remember DJ Hurricane? DJ Hurricane was a DJ for the Seaboy. I'm like, wow. And if you see DJ Hurricane, he looks the same, you know. He's a little heavy, you know. That's all right, you know. But he looks just the same, you guys. Oh, my God. So a lot of this episode brought back my, you know, my uh, back in the day, man. So anyway, DJ Hurricane, he's another one that grew up with Jay. It's like amazing, all this talent that came out of Hollis Queens. So anyway, uh, they grew up together and everything like that. And he thinks the people that were in the studio that night, they know what's up. They know exactly what happened. And DJ Hurricane was feeling a little bit of a key. Now, he said he was never fond of Randy. Lydia's uh, brother, who was in the studio that night, DJ Hurricane is like, I never was fond of Randy. And because he said uh, he just didn't like the way Randy treated people. And he felt Randy had a rude attitude and was always trying to get all up under Jay, you know, more than anybody, you know. And uh, after Jay got murdered, um, Randy uh, really didn't give any condolences to the family or anything like that. He kind of he kind of got ghosts, you know, so who knows? Then you have a rumor about another guy. I ain't going to say his name because, you know, this is unsolved murder. Uh, uh, you know, I'm just going to call him John Doe. Uh, they say his 
excuse me, they say his name on the show. I'm not. I'll let Marsha Clark say it. I ain't. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, there was a rumor about a guy named John Doe. Now, John Doe's former attorney said the police, you know, yeah, the police wanted to talk to my client, John Doe. But guess what happened, you guys? John Doe was all lined up, you know, to talk to the police. Guess what happened? Same day an article came out talking about, you know, John Doe had a motive, you know, and he threatened Jay and da-da-da-da. After that, his attorney was like, nah, John Doe will not be talking to the police now. And it's not going to happen. So it's like, mm. so who knows? Does John Doe know something? We don't know, you know, but the police felt that, hey, maybe Jay owed John Doe some money, you know. Maybe it was an alleged failed drug deal. They wanted to talk to John Doe, but after that article came out, his attorney was like, hell no. And the attorney uh, thinks that the people in the studio that night, they know something. And he feels that um, the police basically should have got on their back. Uh, until the witnesses lawyered up, you know. In other words, don't let up on these witnesses until, you know, they all get lawyered, you know. But other than that, just keep going, you know. So, yeah, and then the attorney, here we go again with theories. It seems like everybody Marsha Clark talked to, it's, they always put a spin on something. Now, then the attorney said, well, you know what? Maybe the DA's office. Maybe they know something. Maybe they know something that may have embarrassed Jay's family. And at the time, they didn't want to be responsible for releasing that information because, you know, Jay is, like, super famous. So Marsha Clark was like, hmm, that's an interesting thought. Okay, here's another friend. Now, this guy was interesting. You guys need to uh, check, check out the episode. This guy was very, very interesting. Actually, a lot of these people were interesting. It really held my interest. Now, this friend here, he says the answers are in the studio. Boom, just like that. And he said Lydia was the one that opened up the door in the first place. Why? Why did Lydia open up the door? Because this friend always said whenever he had to go into the studio, he had to be buzzed in, you know? He presses a buzzer. Somebody in the studio looks at the, you know, looks at the security camera. Oh, okay, that's Jay's friend. That's so-and-so. Yep, it sure is. And he would always be buzzed right in. But he said he always had to get buzzed in. So he's like, why did Lydia open up that door? Who knows? And he feels Jay should have left the neighborhood. He was like, Jay, you should have got ghosts. You should have left the neighborhood. And uh, he thinks, you know what, maybe Randy was jealous, you know, because remember, too, Randy was also a business partner of Jay's. So who knows? This guy was like, you know what, uh, maybe Randy was jealous. I don't know. Then Marsha Clark brought up John Doe's name to the friend said, hey, what do you think about John Doe? You know, the police wanted to talk to him. And Jay's friend was like, oh, man, I know John Doe. I grew up with him. You know, he wasn't involved. He never even carried a gun or nothing like that. And he feels John Doe was being used as smoke screen to cover up the real truth of the case. So it's like, hmm, 
Wow. And this person also said uh, if Lydia knows something, the neighborhood, you know, could have protected her, you know. He said unless she's protecting somebody. It's like, hmm, is she protecting her brother Randy? Don't know, but that's what this guy is like, hmm, you know, you know, she's from this neighborhood. We would have protected her, you know, unless she's trying to protect someone else. And he thinks maybe the killer pulled the gun out just to kind of scare Jay, and maybe he just made a mistake and pulled the trigger. Ah, that part I don't know because, you know, Jay was shot behind the ear. I don't know about that, so, but who knows? Uh, Jay's cousin, Marsha Clark, also interviewed him. Let me tell you, Marsha Clark was in his one, everybody, okay? So she interviewed Jay's cousin. And Jay's cousin's father never liked Brandy, which is Lydia's brother. He said Jay's father never liked Brandy, and, uh, and Jay's cousin never knew why. He just never liked him to the point where he was never even allowed in the house. I'm like, wow. And he said uh, Jay gave Randy a job and access to his Mercedes. And like I had stated, he became Jay's business partner. Uh, but this particular cousin doesn't think the murder was a hit. Uh, he feels because in a hit, everybody gets killed. And he said, and Marsha Clark said, oh, what do you think about Lydia? And all the cousin would say is, you know, Lydia, she's the type of person that can be easily influenced by her brother. And uh, he doesn't understand why the killer would shoot Tony in the leg. You know, that's kind of weird. You know, why would the killer come in, shoot Tony in the leg, and then shoot Jay in the head? And Jay was sitting right next to Tony. It's like, eh, you know, you give someone a minor wound, then you kill the other one next to him. So he thinks that's interesting. Oh, now let's talk about uh, Jay's nephew. Now, Jay's nephew says Randy ran into the barber shop and told him that there was a shooting up the street. You know, Jay, you know, there was a shooting in Jay's studio. So then uh, Jay's nephew ran to the studio and he seen Jay on the floor. And he knew he was dead, but he was, and he seen blood, but he was like, he seen the blood, but he didn't want to see the blood. You know what I mean? He knew Jay was dead, but he didn't want to process it in his mind. So he kind of was nudging Jay like, hey, wake up, wake up, even though he, unfortunately, he knew uh, Jay was dead. And I forgot to tell you guys, Jay was only 37 when he was murdered. He didn't even hit his 40th birthday. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, Jay was only 37 years old. So, yeah. So, yeah. But he thinks uh, Lydia knows something. So, wow. So we keep, notice we keep hearing these two names, Lydia and her brother Randy. It's like these two names keep popping up. But, uh uh-oh, you guys, here's another little twist. And before I give you guys a twist, let me me give you guys a phone number so you guys can call in. And I'm going to get you on the phone line. Don't worry. If you want to talk, don't worry. I'm definitely going to get you. I'm going to get to the phone line. Uh, The phone number to call in is area code 347. 996-5369. 996-5369. Press 1 on your keypad if you want to talk to me. And my chat room is open. 
So, yeah, 657, don't worry. Hang tight. I'm going to get to you. So don't worry. So here's another angle, you guys. Um, Now, this one guy brings up the drug angle. A gentleman by the name of Frank Owen, he wrote an article back uh, back in the day, back in 2003. He wrote an article about the case. Now, he's saying he spoke to some people. He said some of the people are on the record and some of them are off the record. You know, they didn't want to be named. But he said he spoke to some people and uh, feels that the murder was a result of a drug deal gone bad. Uh, Someone was owed some money. Uh, They didn't get paid, and these guys were sent out to kill Jay. Kind of like in the movies, you know, hey, you know, I'll get your money, whatever, and you don't get the money, and, you know, they send someone for you. And Frank Owens, uh, he feels, uh, what else could it be about? You know, because it seemed like everybody uh, in the community loved Jay, whatever. Like, okay, what else be about if it wasn't for drugs? Who knows? And uh, he also said, too, that uh, Jay's um, uh, production company, you know, wasn't doing well. You know, so who knows? But just because that's not doing well, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going broke because, you know, when something ain't doing well, you can always cut ties. You know, you know, hey, this ain't going well, I quit. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, come on, look at Donald Trump. He's tried to get into the wine game. He tried to buy a fleet of airplanes. It didn't work, you know, so he cut ties, but he was still rich. You know what I mean? So with Jay, did he have a financial issue? Don't know. Oh, and let's go back to Jay's nephew. Let's go back to him. Now, he told Marsha Clark he left New York, you know, after his uncle uh, got murdered. He's like, man, he's like, he left New York. Uh, he left way back in 2004. And he said he just left for his safety, you know, like, hmm, something ain't right here. Uh, I'm out. So, yeah, so he left New York back in 2004. And uh, Marsha Clark said, so when was the last time saw Lydia. He said, well, actually, the last time I saw her was back in 2006. He said uh, he was at a barbecue, and she was there as well. And he said it was a little awkward because he didn't expect her to be there, and she didn't expect him to be there. So it was a little awkward. You know, they made a little small talk, and that was it, you know. And he said he ran into Randy, believe it or not, back in 2011. Now, this is kind of creepy. Uh, uh, Jay's nephew, he was in Miami walking down the street. Now, oh, how creepy is this? You know, he's just walking down the street, and then he looks over, and there's Randy sitting in a car. And it's like, oh, my God. And he goes, Randy, Randy. You know, Randy's like, hey, man, how you doing? You know, and everything like that. And I guess Jay's nephew gave him his phone number. Yeah, I'll call you, whatever. But then uh, Jay's nephew said um, when he was talking to Randy, he didn't like what he was hearing. So he never spoke to him again. What does that mean? He didn't elaborate. Marsha Clark didn't ask, you know. But that was it. So it's interesting. And towards the end of this episode, Marsha Clark actually gets a private detective, y'all. I'm telling you, you guys. 
she gets a private detective. This guy's a famous private detective. You know, he's dealt with the mafia, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So Marsha Clark gets him to see if he can locate Lydia. You know, like, hey, we all want to, you know, what's up with Lydia? Guess what? Now, this this is the episode where it becomes nerve-wracking, you know. Uh, I hate to for you guys to spoil it for you, but... Oh, well, you know, if you don't want to listen to the rest of this episode, cover your ears because I'm about to tell you what's up with Lydia. So if you don't want to hear about it or whatever and you just want to watch the episode, feel free to do so. But I'm getting ready to tell you all about Lydia, okay? So anyway, guess what? The private detective found her. And Marsha Clark was, oh, okay, where is she, you know? And the private detective is like, uh... She lives somewhere in America. <laughs> you know, he's not, you know, he's not telling how he tracked her down or whatever. He will only say she is living in America. And uh, for safety reasons, uh, he said he will not disclose uh, where she lives or anything like that. And he did manage to get a phone number for her, and he left her a message. And she actually called him back. It's like, what? And she told him, you know, I might be a little interested in, you know, having a little conversation with you. So it's like, oh, okay. So guess what, you guys? So now you have Marsha Clark, you have Jay's nephew, and a private investigator sitting in a room, you guys. Guess what? They're getting ready to call Lydia. Yes, Lydia. Lydia. It's like, damn. And Jay's nephew was like, say anything. He goes, I doubt if she even comes to the phone. So that's his attitude about it. You know, he's like, I hope she does. But he's kind of like, I seriously doubt she's going to, you know, come to the phone. So anyway, Marsha Clark is uh, talking a little bit to Lydia. Uh, you don't hear Lydia's voice or anything like that. You know, you just, uh, Marsha Clark is uh, has a cell phone in her hand. She's on speaker. You do not hear the other person on the line at all, but the person on the other line is Lydia. And Marsha uh, Clark told her, hey, you know, I don't want to rush you or anything like that. You know, I just want to, you know, just have a friendly conversation with you if you're interested or anything like that. And then the next thing you know, uh, Marsha Clark says, well, after that conversation, it looks like Lydia wasn't ready for the phone call when, you know, when they called her, she wasn't ready to talk. And she's, and Lydia's kind of like, yeah, I don't know if I really want to talk about that night. Man, you should have seen the look on Jay's nephew's face. It was a look of disappointment, hurt, and another look like, I knew it. I told y'all she wasn't going to talk. It was like, God, I just felt so sorry for him. And Marsha Clark, though, she feels hopeful that uh, Lydia will talk in the near future. I don't know what conversation, you know, that brief conversation she had with Lydia, but uh, Marsha Clark feels optimistic that, you know what, I think, you know, it could be coming soon. So it's like, wow. Okay, you guys, so I'm going to give you guys my take on the case, and then I want you guys to – let me know how you guys feel about it. Six by seven, I'm going to get to you in just a few minutes. Now, here's my take on the whole thing. Why is everybody harping on Lydia? 
there was other people in the room. <laughs> her brother was in the room. You got that guy, Tony, in the room. You got, uh, what's that other guy, Mike B, he's in the room. Why is everybody harping on Lydia? You know, the only thing I can think of is out of all the people that were in the room, maybe people feel she's the one everyone has confidence in, that maybe one day she'll be the one to talk. You know, maybe not the others, but maybe she'll be the one to talk. Me personally, I think the people in the studio knew exactly what happened that night, and I think they are terrified. Of course, do they know who did it? I I can almost guarantee you they do. They may not know the shooter personally, but they probably know who sent the shooter. They probably know some rumors. You know, they could probably give the police all the evidence they need to crack this case. That's my personal opinion. Personally, I think it was a hit based on the way Jay was killed. I mean, come on, it was a hit. And the way they killed him, it was a clean hit. You know what I mean? It's not like one of these old drive-bys, you know what I mean, blood splattered all over the place and shooting up five, six times, you know. No, there was only two casings found. Because remember, Tony got shot once and Jay got shot once. Boom, two shots. So we're talking like some professionals here, right? Clean and neat. You know, and then they took off. It's like, mm, why? Why did they do this to Jay? That's the thing. Why did they do this in the first place? Oh, yeah. And the thing is, who the hell buzzed those guys in? Okay, Lydia? Did Lydia buzz him in? Somebody had to open up that mother freaking door to let these guys in, okay? However, also keep in mind, one of Jay's friends was like, well, to be honest with you, maybe, you know, because there were other businesses in the building. And like I said, the it's not a big building, you know, so it's not like it's super crowded, a whole bunch of people going in and out, you know. But you do have other little suites in the building. And he was like, well, maybe these guys piggybacked off of somebody else. You know what I mean? Maybe... Maybe another owner seen them and, oh, okay, I'll buzz you in. You know, that happens. You know what I mean? That's, that's possible, too. But no one else has ever said anything about that theory. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, eh, I don't know. And remember, like I said before, keep in mind Jay's other friend said he was always buzzed up. I mean, they checked. Is it you? Okay, you're good, you know? So I don't know. And there were security cameras to make sure, you know, everybody knew who was coming in and out. Now, the thing is this, where's the security tape? Someone took it. See, something, y'all, something is not right. Because it seemed like the killers came in and out so quickly, you know? I mean, did they kill quick? And then did they know where the security cameras were? and took the tape out. I mean, it just seems like, mm, I don't know, you guys. Ah, I just don't know. And, uh, yeah, no one knows what happened to the security tape for that night. It is gone. So we have no clue what happened in the beginning or the end. It is totally gone. But then I got to thinking, well, what about fingerprints and DNA? I'm sure, but then again, I don't know. It's been so many years, but it was 2002. 
I mean, DNA, what, it's been around, what, since 1995? Come on, with the OJ case, you know? So 2002 was, you know, we're in the DNA generation here in 2002. So, but in the episode, they didn't mention anything about fingerprints or DNA. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, you guys. I had to take a drink. My uh, voice is getting, I've been talking so much, my voice is getting dry. And uh, what else? Oh, and then at the same time, you know how we keep bringing up Randy. Maybe Randy was jealous. Randy this, Randy that. Jay's father didn't even like Randy. But there is no evidence that Randy wanted to do harm. You know, there wasn't any word on the street, you know, or anything like that. So for right now, it's just rumors in the street. You know, so there is no evidence that Randy had anything to do with this murder. But it is kind of odd that ever since it happened, he kind of has been laying low and kind of has pulled back from Jay's family or, you know what I mean? Or maybe he knows something and he feels bad. He's like, I'm leaving, you know, I'm out of here. You know, who knows? I don't know. Oh, why did Jay have a gun? Nobody knows. Uh, when Marsha Clark was interviewing his friends, his cousin, his nephew, uh, she didn't ask that question. So I don't know why. Maybe she didn't want to go into deep about it, or maybe before taping, they told her, uh, heads up, I don't want to talk about that gun. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you know how, you know, before something is aired, you know, they, you know, go over some things, what they will talk about, what they won't talk about, maybe about uh, Jay's gun they don't want to talk about. But you know what would be interesting? And I'm sure someone could look it up and figure it out. Because it is a fact Jay had a gun with him that night. When did he purchase the gun? Assuming it's registered, if maybe we can get a little timeline from there. You know what I mean? Let's just say, oh, well, you know, he he bought the gun a year before his murder. Oh, okay, well, let's go back a year. What was going on the year before he was murdered, you know? Or if he bought it like five years prior, eh, uh, you know, then maybe not but it would be interesting to see when he exactly purchased, you know, that weapon. Oh, and guess what, you guys? You might uh, be asking yourself this because I asked about it. The freaking witness protection program. You know how you hear about it all the time. People tell on the mafia they get involved in the witness protection program. They change their name. You know, some of them even get plastic surgery, you know. But guess what, you guys, the Witness Protection Program would not apply to this case. Do you know why? Because it is a state case. It is not a federal case. You know, when it came to the mafia and stuff like that, those were federal cases. Because remember, I think a lot of those cases fell under the RICO Act. Remember that? with uh, crazy Rudy Giuliani, you know? (laughs) He's crazy now. It's like he was on point back in the day, but, you know, he's crazy now. But you know how Rudy Giuliani, he bought back the RICO Act because that was a law that was already on the books that nobody was really using that much. And he was like, well, you know what? I'm going to use it to go against the mafia, you know, and it worked in his favor. But in this particular case, this is not a federal case. It's a state case. 
so there is no witness protection program, which is probably why they ain't talking. Because it's kind of like, well, if I talk, I will not be protected. So guess what? <laughs> I'm not talking. So, and another interesting fact. Well, it may or may not be interesting. Reverend Ron and Daryl. They were never mentioned in this episode. They were only mentioned uh, as the trio, Run DMC. You know what I mean? But they were not mentioned, you know, in this episode like, oh, you know, who called Run? What did he say? They were never mentioned at all. Uh, They showed one picture. I think it was uh, Run uh, with his two girls. It looked like they were at the funeral or something like that, you know. And they caught them as they were walking or something like that. But um, other than that, uh, Daryl and Run were never mentioned in the episode. And I would like to know why. (laughs) Uh, Is it because they declined to be interviewed? Or for them, is it just too damn painful, you know? Because Jay wasn't only uh, the person they made music with. I mean, hell, they made history with this man. But not only that, he was their friend, man. You know what I'm saying? Because to us, he was Jam Master Jay, you know. But to them, that was their friend. That was like family to them. And they probably feel, well, if they can't offer any solutions, you know, I ain't going on TV bringing up all that sadness, you know. So that's probably why. Oh, and his nephew, Jay's nephew, just made me feel so sad. Um, at the end of the episode, you know, they're walking down the street and everything like that, and they stop at a mural uh, that someone made of Jay. And just out of the blue, you know, he said, you know, Lydia grew up not too far from here. And it's like, okay. And then he thought, he goes, you know what, maybe I should have talked to her. Because remember when Marsha Clark had her on the phone, he was like, maybe I should have talked to her. It's like, bless his heart. Just the way he said, hey, you know, Lydia grew up not too far from here. Oh, bless his heart. It's like, I mean, this guy, he's a grown man. You know what I mean? He has kids and everything like that. But it's just the way he said it. It was like he was an innocent child. You know what I mean? That was just trying to get answers about his uncle. You know? Mm, mm, mm. I mean, damn. I mean, I knew the impact Run DMC had on my youth. But, y'all, I ain't even going to lie. I cried while watching that episode. I ain't even going to lie. In fact, I have watched that episode about three to four times. Uh, It breaks my heart. Uh, Not because he was an entertainer. You know how we cry about entertainers when they pass and things like that. But he was not just an entertainer. I mean, this man had a wife and kids and just the people that were being interviewed. Man, this man was loved. (laughs) even though he was murdered, you know, but this man was really, really loved, you know. But then again, maybe Ed Lover was right. He said maybe he loved Hollis Queens too much. Mm. Yeah, so, wow, interesting, you guys, interesting. So what do you guys think? What's your take on it? Uh, 657, you've been patiently waiting uh, while I've been – uh, running my mouth. Oh, look at my computer. My computer is acting slow. Uh, hey. 657, are you on? Hey, how Hello? you doing? Can you hear me? Yeah, Hello, can I you can hear, hear me? you. 
Yes, I can hey, hear how you. you. Doing? Hi, what's I your name? Like you don't have to give your real name. <laughs> oh yeah, this is Dean Colton Cali. Hey. So what's your take I like on the I felt like I was watching the show again. Um, it was getting good. I was like, you know, just listening <laughs> to it. Hey, now. But, um, but yeah, I agree with everything that you were saying. Um, I've been uh-huh. seeing a culture of this um, happening. Like, when you look at Safari, um, uh, uh, Nicki Minaj's boyfriend, he got robbed yeah. by somebody that he knew for years inside, yeah, you know, job or whatever. Safari. Yeah, I heard about and Safari and he, getting robbed. Yeah, you know, and um, and it, and it goes on. Look at Kevin Hart. Um, he gets extorted yeah, by Kevin one Hart. of his friends and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So it seems like it's changing that, you know, you're always getting hurt by somebody in the group that you know. So I'm saying mm-hmm. the same thing here happens, you know. I used to work in studios a lot back in the uh, early 2000s and whatnot oh, with a really? lot of, you know, up artists, some up-and-coming, some established and um, everybody that comes to the studio, um, you know, some of them, you know, some of them are CD characters. Like, they bring that drug money in there, and they want yeah. um, beats and stuff like that. Um, a lot of these cats, they run guns, a lot of them in drugs. But you know them. To everybody else, they're afraid of these cats. They say, oh, they tell, do you know that person? He killed people. Do you know that person run drugs? Do you know that person? But mm-hmm. to you, they like regular regular people because, you know, they neighborhood cats. So I'm thinking yeah. what happened was, was that, you know, the, uh, and, and this is how I, the question about how you got in, this is how I see it happen a lot in studios because a lot of studios that I was in back in the day and whatnot, you know, you, they have all this high security, like video footage and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, but a lot, a lot of times with the video footage, you know, it's, it's not uh, recording sometimes. It's just on. So, you know, oh, you deter you're people right. from about you know yeah, what I mean? Cause a lot you're of right about the security too. cameras. Yeah, because they might yeah. say, you know, we're monitoring security, but oh, I never thought about they, that angle. So maybe you know, but they really yeah. they're not recording it. Huh. You know, what I mean, they just letting you know, like they could, you can see who coming in and whatnot, but it's not recording. You know, what I mean, uh-huh. so that happens a lot. And um, and and usually, you know, when they set up in these um studio booths or whatever, you got somebody, they could mm-hmm. be playing video games, music or whatever, or, or working on production, yeah. while pe- people are coming in and out, you know, even though you got this high security, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. you, you just bust people up out of habit and whatnot. Sometimes you don't even, you know, whatever. And these people and probably you know knew what? people that came in. See, and that's the thing, because if this studio, if you watch the episode or, you know, you probably can see pictures online, it's a small studio. You know what I mean? It's exactly. not like this big, giant, high-tech. So it was kind of like, you know, a little studio, you know, a little place where, you know, it was kind of like all about business. You know what I mean? Even though he had the video games and stuff like that. But it was kind of like, you know, we're here to, like, really work, you know? And I do think exactly. maybe it was, two, yeah, maybe 2002, maybe the neighborhood was changing, maybe getting a little bad. But when you're from the neighborhood, I'll, 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 I'll even add you know, you know, because I remember you said something mm-hmm. about the outside of it looked shabby, like it wasn't all that. But well, I know it, it, kinda, out, it was kind of looked like a what, 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 like a the, store. The, the, front, reason, I, you the know? reason I would say that, the reason mm-hmm. I say that, because the majority of the studios that got all this state art equipment in it, they all set up with shab. The storefront is usually uh, um, a distraction because, like, I've been at studios like. 
Verizon mm. Studios in like New Haven, Connecticut, and different places. Where in the outside uh-huh. of it looks like shabby or whatever, but they do that on purpose. So when you walk in there, so you won't see, huh? In there. Yeah, exactly. all that high tech so, so, equipment. Yeah, and it was, and the studio was like on a busy street. You know what I mean? And you would yeah. pass by it because the studio was see, so up there. That. That so that that that's almost mm. normal in studios like with the hip factory and different places like that. But but I would yeah. have to say in my in my closing remarks and when I come on take too much time, is that um, again going back to Lydia and different ones and whatnot. You know, being being how small mm-hmm. the studio was, people knew. People um, keep in mind he said that he was real nervous that whole week and whatnot. He had a gun with him, mm-hmm. and they said like he was very nervous and whatnot. And the people that was close to the case. All knew this, this big time dude that they said that you know, and, and they said he verified that this guy was a real mm-hmm. cat, you know, maybe from Cali or whatever. And you know, he probably was into him for some money. And um, you know, yeah. and every, he said everybody, everybody knew he was actually real nervous and walking around with security, uh, um, not security, but his gun and stuff like that. And yeah. so when he came in, when the guy got shot in the leg, I, I'm thinking that you know, when when, when it happened. Everybody know what's up mm-hmm. because, like, just like the Tupac case and, and the Biggie case and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, again, going back to how small it was when the, when the killers left the place or whatever, you know, people saw them leave out of there. You know, everybody in the community, it's a, it's a small knit community. Mm-hmm. Everybody saw the people leave out of there and whatnot. And yeah. Then you ask yourself a question: Why didn't he call nine one one? Why did he run to the um, the police department or whatever, instead of call nine one one, which you would have been a you know what and whatnot. I think I think too sometimes in a panic situation because I've been in a situation where I was so nervous I didn't even call nine one one. It was right. just you know what I mean. Sometimes in a situation like that, you kind of you kind of don't follow protocol that you think you're going to follow, and I think because. <laughs> It was like uh, there was shooting, and the police station was literally just down the street because he might have already kind of guessed like Jay was dead or there was no hope. So he's like, well, oh, hell, let me hurry up and run to the police station real quick because they said the police station was really close. So maybe that, you know, that could be the reason. Uh Saying like, well, maybe, you know, just say for example, giving them the benefit of the doubt. Just say for example, yeah. you got your earphones and you record the music. You might not hear the shots or whatever because you went to the music or whatever. You know, but yeah. here's my two theories that that could have. My first theory is that okay. you know he knew people was coming for him and whatnot, and a lot of other people uh-huh. was coming for him. So when he was shot, that shot in the leg was a warning. And whatnot, and um, he said, "You and Lydia, y'all keep quiet about this. Everybody oh, in the neighborhood know these real cats." Yeah, you that's know. what someone had said too. The reason why that guy but, shot but, but, in the but leg here's, here's my was other to kind of strike that, fear that, in the rest of them. But here's my other theory that's real, way out the window. This same person okay. would be all in the studio. Everybody know each other and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And then all of a sudden. He said, you know, just have some money old situation. He said, yo, man, why don't you just pay me the money? And then he'd be like, I ain't paying you jack. And then um, they mm. get an argument. He shoot him by accident. And then all of a sudden, um, they all know each other in there and whatnot. He said, yo, man, just shoot, just shoot me in the leg and be out because, like, you know, he's dead oh. now. Um, you, you know what I mean? And the reason that they're not telling him to do is because mm. they all – they 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 connected to each other as friends or whatever, and it it could have been a, a, an accident mm-hmm. or somebody that they know, 
and they saying that it, it ain't a stranger. Yeah. You, either way, it's not yeah, a stranger. Yeah, that's either, what I think. Somebody they know. know did it, yeah, or, or they know who. Yeah, that's what I think too. You know. Either they know who actually did it, or they know who sent the people. You know that exactly. Did it. You know that's why. But but, but that's just my two cents. Uh-huh. Why not? Yeah, I, no, I, I you got some good theory. You got like, some wow. really I, good they, they theory. They never saw these cases like like Tupac because people not gonna tell. Somebody knows. No. And you know what they said about Tupac? They were saying maybe it had to do more with Suge Knight, you know, and gang than just Tupac right. himself. You know what I mean? And I'm like, hmm, I never Gee. thought about, you know, that theory. Because Tupac, I don't think he was really into L.A. games, you know, and See. seemed like, you know what I mean? But, however, you know, your surroundings, you know, and who you hang with. Some, so I think when You know, because you talked about the Witness Protection Program, and I, yeah. you know, like they say, the U.S. Marshals over that situation, like, you remember back in the, um, in the 70s when they was like um, – Protecting people who testified against the Ku Klux Klan, like you were talking about how yes, the federal cases I and stuff like the that. Witness. Uh-huh. There, there was a dope, yeah. there was a dope case that went on, and like you know, like the first forty-hour situation, wherein this mother was about to testify against this um, drug, this drug ring or whatever, and um, and she denied. She did. She said she didn't want to be in the witness protection program, and then oh. um, they found her, her and her son murdered. Her, her son witnessed um, the, a drug deal going bad, and um, and mm. someone got killed, and so she was she was threatened. They um, threw rocks at her windows and 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 shot shot mm-hmm. up her house from the outside, and she denied witness protection. So so um, this Lydia person, whatever, so how come this was that really? So in they, that particular so, so I, case from back in the day, why did she not want to be in the witness protection program if she had that option? Because I'm thinking that a lot of people, like, if, you know, you don't trust the police because, like, in a lot of these cases, like, like again, mm. going back to the day where, you know, when these drug people, uh, the drug people got people in the police department and high up or whatever. So mm-hmm. she said, well, my life is already threatened and whatnot. If I just put, oh, um, I put see. out so there. Oh, I see. So that, she thought, I see. So yeah. she thought it was crooked anyway. So I'm, you know. It, it, oh. it, 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 they're going to take me somewhere and kill me, you know, or whatever. So, uh-huh. so a lot of these people just denied witnesses. So Lydia and them probably could have could have got that, but they probably just denied it. They probably like, but you know I, what? I don't want to be seen. Yeah, and right. I think in this case, like the detective said, um, or was it the attorney, since this is a uh, state case, uh, they're not going to get witness protection. They said it has to be something, you know, something federal. But it can't yeah. be, you know, and nothing was, like this. Because, you know, remember Nicky Barnes, he's in the witness protection too. For, uh, program. I, I, even, huh? even grown people talking about that no snitch policy. Like, I don't want to be seen oh, as a yeah. snitch. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and like, you know you, what? You grown. Yeah, and that doesn't make sense because I know the uh, guy I was talking about, uh, the former uh, policeman, Derek. Uh, he was talking about how people in the hood, they get the term snitching. Snitching is exactly. when all y'all get together to rob a bank, you get caught, and you tell on your friends. That's being a snitch. Right. 
But if you witness a murder and you don't say anything, that's not being a snitch. So we got it all mixed but, but, but up. You know what I mean? But if they're all involved with it, see, that's what I'm yeah. thinking with Randy, dude. If, I'm thinking they could all be involved with this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I'm saying. You know, nobody know what it is. It's real shady, like, like the family, like, why wouldn't you want to say more to the police or whatever? Or or at least tell the streets so the streets can handle it. But you ain't saying nothing. Something is up. And then, too, like they said, you know, they could be terrified. And, you know, because you know how it is, you know, I'll kill your mom. You know, I know where your it's children go to school at. You know what I mean? So when it's you think true. about it like that, it's like, well, damn, I probably wouldn't tell either. You know, and then exactly. it's like, ah. Uh, but then at the but, same but if, time. If it, was a, if it was a really bad cat like that, why would you trust people to live? Like, if it was really a hit, like yeah. you said, you, you, don't, you don't trust these people. You would kill them. So, like, yeah. that, that's why you're thinking it was an inside job because if it was, if it was really like yeah. that, a threat, a threat to no, I ain't going to threaten them, but I'm going to kill everybody in the place and whatnot. And you know what, that's too? That's why I it could have been inside. Yeah, and you know what I was just thinking, too? Maybe they knew the whole story. Maybe they already know why he was murdered in the first place. So to them, they're like, well, I knew it was going to happen. You know what I mean? So for yep. them, it's a shut case. We're the ones that just don't know what really happened. Maybe everybody in that exactly. room was like, ooh, I knew Pookie was going to get him one day, but I didn't know it was going to be today. Exactly. exactly. And we're just the fans. We're the ones, we're the only ones that don't know. But I kind of have a feeling, but, you know, Marsha Clark, she's optimistic that this chick maybe one day in the future is going to, you know, say something. Who knows? Maybe as these people get wow. older. But then again, who knows? I don't know how old Lydia yeah, is. I'm air, assuming she's Lydia in her 50s. On TV. You know? I guarantee you, you Lydia got a phone call. I said, being on the air on TV, Lydia definitely got a phone call probably, like, if she's being threatened, they like, hey, don't do that no more. We watch you. I see, <laughs> so see I was thinking that, too, because the people that were being, um, his friends and stuff being interviewed, some of them were talking code, like, why don't you just say what you're trying to say? You know, they were like, sometimes misunderstandings happen. It's like, what do you mean? Exactly. <laughs> what are you talking about? Exactly. You know, so it's exactly. kind of like I think they I, they all might know what's up, and they're just I, like, I, I, hey. I'm not saying this. Like, like R. Kelly, all his mm-hmm. people have been around him. They were talking in code in the interview. Uh, he said, hey, you know, things happen. You know, people, mm-hmm. people know they let things go on and stuff like that with the, him and them underage girls or whatever. You know, yeah. people around them know what's happening and whatnot, but they're yeah, not going to talk about it. Yeah, people know what's going on. Because yeah. if, if I love if I love J Master J and he into that drug and all that, I would rather him die with a good name rather than die and the truth come out that he was into these people and he was into all this bad stuff. You know what I mean? Well, you know, yeah, well, like see, that. that's what this. Because, this yeah, I'm sorry, right? I mean to cut you off. Uh, that's what well, that well, attorney I'm was trying to hint at. Oh, no, that's what that attorney was trying to hint at. Like, maybe the district attorney's office found some information that could be embarrassing to the family. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, so, no. so, so that that's why the family probably, like, they probably off the record, they probably know a lot of stuff that we don't know. They probably said, this is what really went down and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And this is why nobody really going real hard to solve the case because, they all know what happened, and nobody's going to testify. 
Yeah. Exactly. And who knows? Yeah, probably too. His parents probably know what's up, you know, because I know during the interview, uh, you know, Marsha Clark didn't say anything like, oh, we tried to reach out to his parents and they declined. You know, it wasn't anything like that. It was just they were never even, you know, mentioned or anything. So, I mean, who knows? Exactly. You know, yes. I, like I said, maybe it's just us as a fan. We're just the ones. Exactly. Now, now tell me this. Now, tell me this. Do you think Jay had some money issues? Because one guy was trying to hint that, you know, Jay may have had some, you know, money issues or something like that. Well, well, that, that's the thing and whatnot. Like, a lot of cats mm-hmm. that got these studios and stuff like that, a lot of them got excesses that they do, you know, like a lot of them gamble, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. A lot of them, ah, you know, I never thought about gambling. Money on, they do money on the side and stuff like that. And um and they get caught out and stuff like that, you know. So mm-hmm. that 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 could that could be easily a thing and whatnot. People got studios and stuff like that because you know you mm-hmm. gotta think about it. They don't got a nine to five. That that's what they do, you know. So being in the studio mm-hmm. all day, you know, you gotta have some kind of outlet or whatever. And a lot of them gamble. A lot of them, you know, do other stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I wouldn't put it past it that you know he owed he owed somebody some money and stuff like that. And um. And that you know, there's no yeah. big studio to uh, take over. In other words, you know, uh, and, and again, this is something that I've seen personally and whatnot. Um, uh-huh. I've seen a producer let these uh, CD characters in, in and stuff like that, and that mm. they try to um, they try to um, uh, intimidate them for studio for free studio time and whatnot. You know what I mean and stuff like that because mm-hmm. he, he wanted to have all these tough people around them, and I would go in there and I would be like, wow. Look at all these cats up in here. I knew some of them, but some of them, you know, they were real scary characters or whatever. They go in there and do a studio and whatnot, and you know, you know, they wasn't paying for the uh, studio time because they because he hmm. was uh, into them for, for some stuff or whatever. So you know, you got a oh. lot of your um, your people in that studio. Some some of them like um, they feel hmm. like the studio is theirs too. You know, when they come oh, in, there. I so see. like if you owe them something, you know, it's like, well, you're gonna give me some free studio time. Yeah, you know, or or produce or mm. produce something. This is gonna be mine when it come out of here. And he, and he probably was, you know, he probably he could have been being sh- um shakedown, like could have been a shakedown. And he just oh, got tired. Oh, I never thought of that. You know, I you never know, thought about that. Him, you know, yeah, shakedown. It could be because he's probably old school. Because they said in the episode that he gave everybody an opportunity. You know what I mean? He, that's why he stayed there. See? Yeah, because they said he helped everybody. Because the reason why he never exactly. left the neighborhood, because he was trying to tell the youth, look, you can be like me, you know. And it seemed like he was and, so and, and, and he he was giving beloved. back. He mm. thought he was beloved. But, you you know, but they tell you, like, every time you make your money and whatnot, you know, people are hungry around you and whatnot, and they assume, yeah. even though you ain't making like, you know, just say for example, you got friends that that's on TV shows or whatever, and they're not making a whole bunch of money, you know, but people around you think because they see you in, on TV a lot that you rich or whatever, and they're going to try to come for you. So, mm-hmm. so just like I, I'm seeing the Nicki Minaj that's thing true. with um, Safari, and I'm, and I'm seeing Kevin Hart people, it's the people around you that's hungry, and, um, and you just got to yeah. watch the people around you. This is, this, is this is a big lesson to that. Know the people around you. Yeah, and then, yeah, and and keep your circle small. 
as small as exactly. you can, you know, because I know a lot of these NBA players, NFL players, you know, they be rolling down the street 10 men deep. You know what I mean? It's like you paying for all these guys. And, 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 you know and what I mean? People love them because they play basketball, and they're going through the yeah. city neighborhood. They say, well, I got people love me here, and somebody waiting to rob you, you know what I mean? Or people love me. Yeah. You know, that's what I said. Like you say, you got to keep your security tight and your circle small because you think, you think I'm going I'm to stay, I'm going to keep it real, I'm going to stay in the hood, but those people are looking at you like food. You know, you know you what? Know, you're right. No yeah, you're right about that. Because if you stay in the hood, they can't look at you like food. And you know what I think too? I think in Jay's situation, because uh, I know what I think it was DJ Hurricane. He said one time, you know, when they were growing up, there was a shooting at the school and stuff like that. So I think back in their generation, they thought they had it really rough. But I think this right. new up-and-coming generation that came after them, the 50-cent generation, I think they might have been exactly. a little more rougher. And I don't think Jay was ready for that. You know what I mean? He's used to, okay, some gang members and stuff like that, but I don't think, you know, he was used to, you know what I mean, the way exactly. it was becoming. And I think maybe he could have been that type that was just too trusting of people, you know, because everybody just kept saying, oh, he was always smiling and, hey, come over my house, you know, the way you would think people would be when they get money. But like they said, like Ed Lover said, there's a reason why these rappers don't live where they live anymore. You know, he said there's a reason. He said there's a reason why he doesn't live there but, but remember what? this, too, a lot of those rappers mm-hmm. are renting cars for the videos, they're leasing cars for the videos, and oh, so yeah. we think they're rich. And just like we think that Jam Master Jay could have been like that, but he could have been owing money, too. So that, 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 that's yeah. the thing that we can't, we can't forget. A lot of these artists that we see, like, even on Instagram, they flex mm-hmm. it. That's not their real life or whatever. Oh, that's yeah. what they want us to believe. Because you're right. But in real you're life, right they about the rappers. Yeah, you're right about the rappers of today pretending they have money. But you know what's so interesting? Because in the golden age of rap, it was hip and cool to wear imitation stuff and have it look real. You know, that right. that was the thing. Because I remember when I was going to school, you know, chicks would wear fake Louis Vuitton backpacks, fake Gucci right. purses and stuff, because that was the thing. It was like, oh, my God. It looks real. You know, that was the thing. Exactly. But nowadays it's like they really want the real thing. You know, like these rappers, I'm really getting a Rolls Royce. And we all know exactly. you don't have Rolls Royce money. Because to get Bentleys and Rolls See. Royce, you have to have that long money, that money that's not you, a you, big you got, you got Airbnbs <laughs> right now that you can just rent somebody for their house and do a video. They call it Airbnb where you go into yeah. somebody and you rent their house for the day or the week, you know, and whatnot. And just like you do on Atlanta Housewives and all these other shows, they rent all Airbnb that rented houses. Stuff. And, um, and, you know, and to us, we thinking that's your house or whatever, but that is yeah, all about thinking it's real. you know. Well, yeah, I'm going to fall back because yeah. I want your listeners to get mad at me <laughs> when I'm taking up their time. Oh, no. No, 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 not at all. This is some good conversation. I'm glad you called in. Yeah, I just had to do this story. Yeah, because I was flipping channels. I'm enjoying the podcast. 
like crazy. Oh, and thank I feel you. like I'm watching the show again because I, I just saw it you know? a while ago. That's why I said, <laughs> let me tune in to this. Wow. Yeah, I enjoyed, you know this. I'm enjoying the, it. Oh, thank you. And you know, the reason why I did this episode is because usually when there's a current, uh, something happening current, we all talk about it. Just like with Kanye West, exactly. I talked about that. You know, right. you know, we always, all of us that do shows, it, I can kind of tell we all do the same topic. We kind of piggyback off each exactly. other. But this particular exactly. one, I'm like, I don't think anyone has ever did a show about the unsolved murder of Jam Master Jay. I mean, come on, this is Jam Master Jay. I said, if I can give See? time to Kanye West, hell, I can give time now. to Jam Master Jay. You know what I mean. I mean, come on, he's from the golden age of rap music. You know, to me, when exactly. rap music and, and, and is good. See, I, see, I'm, I'm 53, so I remember all the names you were talking about. I was like, I know, I know exactly what oh, you talking about, Jam Master Jay, and all the shows. So I, I, I was like, it's memory lane for me. Yo, we see, so that's what I've me too. <laughs> me too. Exactly. See, I'm from also, you know, hey, the golden age of rap. I I know you remember UTFO. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yes. I re- I mean, I grew up with all of that. I mean, I remember when, um, you know, Queen Latifah first came on the scene. Moni Love, exactly. you know, MC Light, I mean, Heavy D. I mean, man, one of these days I'm just going to have to do an episode on just the golden age of rap. Exactly. Yes. You know, like, like I mean, almost, almost like the un- unsung and whatnot almost because that's another show I watch yeah. and listen to, like the oh, unsung. Oh, that's a good, you know, oh, those... unsung is an excellent show. I've learned so much uh, about exactly. people's lives. And they've done See, so much. Exactly. And so I'm still alive. That's why I'd be like, wow, you know, I I never knew. Cause I always wondered what happened because they ain't got no savings accounts and whatnot, no no retirement. So what happens to these singers after their four-year career is over in music? You just don't hear from them. And then you hear some of them working at Walmart or some of them security guards. Oh, or some I of them. know. And it's so sad. Yeah, yeah when you hear – and I, the thing I hate about um, different singers and stuff like that, it's kind of like we forget what an impact they made in music. And not only that, we're talking about the songwriters that actually wrote the hit. Like, you know, what is that exactly. here? You got, you know who I'm talking about from back in the day. God, who were they? Was Dozier? Um, I, I remember Melba Moore had a writing company. Um, she hired everybody. He wrote for Whitney Houston, <laughs> Freddie Jackson, and uh-huh. all of them. Um, and they they worked for Melba Moore um, um, and her husband. They had a writing company together, and um, mm. they, they they would hire Kadish. Kadish was one of the writers. He wrote mm-hmm. for everybody back then and stuff like that. So that 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 that's why I wonder, you know, where where are they now and stuff like that? Because like we talk about the music business, you know, the music business. And the mob and gangsters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It was all shady back then, you know. So it was I, I'm shady. not surprised to hear about this inside murdering and over rackets and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, with the record companies, like it's still going on. And and now the record companies oh, yeah. ain't making money like they used to. So it's even worse now. Like, how do you make your money now? Like, you go to the studio or whatever, and um, mm-hmm. you know, you do music for people, or whatever. But the money don't come right back. How can you get money off of that? 
you got to do something on the side, you know. Um, like I, I know all these cats yeah. got studios. That's that's not their main job, you know. Some some of them like they got to do something else on the outside to make real real money. So because some of the studio production stuff could be a hobby with some cats now because now with all the streaming yeah. and stuff like that, the money don't come back like it used to. People ain't See, buying that is, you're no right. More. You know, so. you're right. People aren't buying CDs and stuff anymore. Not nowadays. If you got a good voice, you can just go on YouTube because that's how that Justin Bieber was exactly. discovered. He was discovered on YouTube. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's, and the rest is history. Yeah. So it's like you can kind of do your own thing, you know. The, like, the, hey, only, the only way you make money off of music these days is touring, like, actually doing a show and doing merchandise or whatever because, you know, people ain't spending uh-huh. money like, you know, like you, you, you might sell 99 cents, whatever, whatever, spend it, but yeah. for the most part, doing shows and whatnot. So, like, back in the day, the record ladies had these big budgets because people was going to record stores and, and they, was, yeah. like, they, they was buying physical things, but now um, the record label, the budget ain't like it used to be. That's why you see these, these, these inexpensive music videos, mm-hmm. if it's a video at all, oh, for the yeah, album or whatever. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, those you know, days so of the big money movie music. Yeah, they're not making the money like they used to be, you know, because now we can pick and choose. Because I remember when I was growing up, if you wanted a song, you had to buy the whole album and hope exactly. and pray that you like some more songs on the album. But now I can or just that, go on iTunes Maxi, and Maxi, I can just sample. That Maxi cassette had maybe one oh, or yeah. two songs on it. <laughs> oh, I used to like love that. those, Yeah. That maxi cassette yeah, when you get like there. the radio version, you get a remix. <laughs> exactly. Hey now. Oh See, man. I don't know about it. I'm all, I know about I know, I know about the mixtapes back in the day. That, that that's, oh, that's yeah. why I said like with Jam Master Jay and all of them. Again, you know, so, you know, he probably has some shady friends and connections with the shady mm-hmm. people around, and and that's that's probably where it all went wrong because he wasn't just doing music out of there. He probably was involved mm. in a lot of other stuff as well and whatnot, which which are, are like like you know if we keep it real, all all the neighborhood stores that we we came up in, some was bootlegging uh-huh. cigarettes out of there on the side, some was bootlegging alcohol. Oh yeah, on, on the side a out lot there. of so, bootlegging so, stuff. Yeah, everybody got a hustle. So who who knows what else is going on in that studio? You know, it, yeah, it's you're not right. Yeah, the people that was in there with them. You know. Yeah, so you're that's, right. That's, you're that's, right. Yeah, so in this case, I think this is kind of not a cold case, you know, because to me a cold case exactly. is where it's like, you know, the killer's out there somewhere and we just need to find who it is. This one is kind of like exactly. just nobody's talking, you know, and I guess too because exactly. when I was watching the episode, I was getting so frustrated. I'm like, I need to go and kick somebody's ass. Y'all need to say something. <laughs> But then, like we had said before, they probably already have, but they're just not making it public, you know, so, yeah, so, yeah, I think they probably all know a little bit. You know, if you uh, look, watch the episode, you can kind of know people are saying stuff without saying stuff. Like, like Randy, if, if Randy was my relative, my friend, I would, I would see Randy the years later at the park, and he would just be all friends. Hey, man, how's it going? I ain't seen you in a while. What's going Yo, dog, what really happened? That's the conversation I would have. Yeah. I would have did the same thing that what's the name did. Like, and if he wasn't having that comment, he want to talk about, hey, you, you got bigger now. You're like, man, I want to talk, talk to me about what's really good, what, what happened that day. You know, and if you exactly. want to have that conversation, we ain't got nothing to talk you're about. you're right. 
because I think that's why uh, Jay's nephew, when he had ran into Randy, and, you know, and then they talked on the phone, and Jay's nephew was like, the stuff he was saying, you know, I just yeah. don't want to hear something like Trump that. Like so he happen. even knows. Yeah, he probably was like, yeah. oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I haven't been in contact, you know. H- how's your aunt doing? How's she holding yeah, exactly. up? You know, probably some of that old bull, you know. And he's probably like, yeah, exactly. man, please, you know. So, yeah, yeah but it that, was. That, wow. Oh, go ahead. People I'm know. sorry. Yeah, no, no, and no, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm glad. just doing everything you're saying. I'm just like somebody knows something. Like, like I would be the they same do thing. Know like, something. You, you, you know, but you're not talking the same with um, Tupac. The same with Biggie and them. Um, I can yep, his Tupac, mom's like Biggie. all these people, all the witnesses that happened right there. Every, everybody knows this cat. You know, when, when they talk about uh, the Biggie Small, you know how how they, mm-hmm. um, everybody witnessed them, and and you had confessions now, and people saying it was like. This guy did it or whatever. You were both tied mm-hmm. different things. They they know, but like again, officially we we won't know or whatever. You know, it'll go unsolved or whatever. But the streets know, yeah. and like either the, exactly. either the streets handled it or the street just the street said, well, hey, that's that's what happened, and uh, we're gonna let it ride. You know, and whatnot. Yeah, you're so right. The street the street justice street justice is different from our justice. Yeah, I agree with you. Yep, yep. The streets know what's yeah. up, you know. So yeah. So. But wow. Yeah. Uh, yes, but, it should. But, but you be, know let what? Let's be left to the y'all that's doing studios out there that got other stuff going on in there. Y'all be careful. Yeah. Because y'all running these studios mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Y'all letting everybody in there. Everybody in there got dreams. They they be 30, 40, 50 years old. I want to be a rapper. You know. And yeah. Everybody wants to be a rapper. <laughs> yeah. But but they all got different hustles going. They selling drugs. They running guns. They're looking at how much money you making in the studio, so you could be you can be fooled and don't even know it, and you letting all these cats uh-huh. in the studio. So watch watch your circle, watch who around you. You know what I mean? Yeah, you do saying. have to watch who's around. Yep, I definitely agree with you on that, man. And ooh, yeah, it's different. Scary. I'm telling you, it, it it is. I mean, back in the day, people thought NWA was scary. Man, please. <laughs> Come on now. It's, exactly. It's like. That's and real. at least with NWA, they had a message. That's what I'm saying. Wow. All of the, you know, okay, when you think about NWA, one of the first songs I ever heard from NWA was the song Dope Man. Now, right, right. You, you could say that song is vulgar and everything like that, and okay, it is. However, I would have never known about crack if it wasn't for NWA. Wow. I had no let me tell you, so I had no idea what crack was because there was one line in that song talking wow. about on their hands and knees searching for a piece of rock. I thought they was fighting over wow. diamonds. Because you know how they always call mm-hmm. diamonds rocks and stuff? I'm like, this is such a weird exactly. song. Why are they fighting over jewelry? I did not know. Wow. And then talking about strawberry, you know how they said that's a chick that um, sells herself for crack. What? She doesn't even wow. want money? I'm like, what kind of drug wow. is this? What the hell are they talking about? Because I had yeah, no they call clue it a what was going exactly. on. Yeah. That, that, so if it wasn't for I, them. I, I, missed, I missed it too because I went to the Air Force in 84. And uh, uh-huh. when I got out, you know, about 88, 89, when I came back home, I seen the results of it. You know, a lot of people mm. caught out. And I was like, 
whatever. I'm, I'm just glad I missed that era. But when that, when that happened, I see a lot of people that I grew up with, you know, that I looked up to, like some of the drug dealers, some of the pimps, some of the yeah. uh, people who had cars, money, whatever. When I came mm-hmm. back, they was begging money on the street. Some of them was caught out. Mm. I'm like, I was like, whatever that thing, that drug thing was, I'm like, wow. I'm glad I missed it. Yeah. That thing took over a lot of people that you thought was established and was smarter than that. They were that caught crack. Out. And I was like, That crack wow. took a whole generation. You know, and that we is, don't really understand. Wow. Yeah. It sure that's, did. That's, that's I remember. Crazy. Yeah, I remember. Wow. God, it was back in the 80s. I remember we went to South Central. And then I remember wow. there was actually a prostitute in broad daylight. She was standing on the corner in front of a fire station. And there was a fireman wow. kind of just there, you know, and I told her uh, to be careful. <laughs> you know, I was just a kid, you know, and I kind of wow. knew she was a prostitute. But I was like, but aren't prostitutes supposed to be at night? Why is she standing out here in wow. broad daylight? She might have been a crackhead, and now that I look back, it's probably why she was selling her exactly. body in the middle of the day, you know. But I remember I told her to be careful, you know, and I remember wow. she was like, oh, thank you, baby. You know, she told me thank you, she, you know. She's so innocent. She's like, like, poor baby. She's innocent. She I don't know. know. She's like, <laughs> like she's so don't innocent. know. I'm Bless here every day. <laughs> yeah. Her heart. So, man, it's a trip. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, a, and I know actually, that, that's why, you know, shout out to our ignorance, though, because we keep wasn't in it. You know, we was right there. We, we, we All that mess was going on, and um, we, we didn't know, you know. So, you know, sometimes innocence protects us from yeah. getting into stuff like that. It's something to be going right yeah. around us. You don't, you don't know it, and your friends try to protect you from it. I guarantee you, like, people that walked into Jam Master J Studio or whatever, they probably, they probably yeah. knew what was going on and whatnot, and they probably, they probably told them, yo, you know, you know who you what what's going on? Be careful, man. Oh you know what I mean? yeah, they we, probably we gave him here, jail we, warning. We can't protect you from yeah. everybody, man. You know, you 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 diving into the wrong thing or whatever. So you gotta be careful and whatnot. And he thinks everybody his friends. Oh, I never thought of that too. Yep, somebody you know, may have right gave there. him that's a warning. You know, because sometimes you can give. Forever. Yep, somebody probably gave him a warning, and he was like, "Oh man, he's family," or you know. Exactly. Who knows? Exactly. You know what I mean? Like Randy, yeah. Randy, my boy, Randy wouldn't do me like that. You know. Yeah. And his family, you'd be looking at Randy sideways. But, but like I said, again, like, Kevin Hart. That's an example. Kevin put this. Yeah, in Kevin movie. Hart is a good. He one. put him down with him, and um, and his friend got so jealous of him, he took pictures of Kevin cheating on his wife, and and won mm. a million dollars from him. Oh, he was going to tell and whatnot, and, um, and Kevin thought it was somebody else. Kevin thought the girl did it, and then he found out that it was his boy who uh, who came up with and was jealous of him all these years. Yep, wow. Kevin Hart, his crazy self. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see we got somebody else on the line. I opened up your line. You want to give a little, uh, your little take? We got about three minutes. Oh, yeah, I'm going to fall back. I guess it's... Love the show. Oh, okay. Oh, nice talking to you. Uh oh. <laughs> I guess somebody's just listening. Oh, okay. I think 574 is just listening. So I will put them on mute. 
Wait, hold on. Who is what they talking about? I'm on nosy. Hello? 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 Yes, hello. Hey, what's up? Hey, Peace, I was just listening to the station. I called in instead of listening on uh, the computer here. But, uh, oh, okay. Well, I'm glad you called in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Well, thanks for listening. No problem. Yeah, but uh, we're yeah. talking about the Jam Master J, the great, the great DJ. Oh, right, and getting oh yeah. One of the best. I'm going to tell mm. you something, man. I'm, you don't have me on the radio, do you? Yeah, you I do. you got to be real careful when you talk about I, this topic. Oh, I know See, what you like mean. Let me tell you something. <laughs> They're trying to cover it up, but I'm going to tell you some straight-up stuff that you're going to trip off. Um, if you tell, if you know anybody in New York, all I'm going to say is this. You know, I'm going to just say this. 50 Cent no more than what people saying. Now, I'm not saying he lined them up, but what I'm saying is it was a whole bunch of Gangsters in in Queens at the time, and um, you know Jam Master J, you know he's an honorable man, but you know he's done things in the past that you know everybody grows. You know everybody will start out sweet clean. I mean, if you if you if you ask about him or you know and a few others that he ran with, let's say straight up Jam Master J was a gangster a little bit, and I think it's a thing where. You know, people be jealous and people feel like you owe them stuff. And but um, all I know is Fifty Cent no more than what people think. He should, you know, just out of honor, he should be telling people more than uh, what he be doing. So yeah, you there? My phone be backing up. 